going to be looking uh, briefly at chapter 7 in Nehemiah and then spending most of our time in chapter 8. Uh, and so if you guys want to turn there, you can, but I'm going to read us a portion from uh, Nehemiah 8, uh, verse 9. It says, Nehemiah, who was the governor, uh, and Ezra the priest and scribe, uh, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy uh, to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. Uh, for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has uh, nothing ready, for this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved, and all the people who went their way to eat and drink and to send portions to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. Let's pray. God, I, uh, I thank you for this Sunday, Lord. I, um, Lord, thank you for songs about your glory. Um, Father, your glory, your face is um, too wonderful for us to see directly. But Lord, we get to walk this earth, and if we have the eyes to see as you would give us eyes to see, Father, we get to see the reflections of your glory. Father, this earth shines your radiant glory. Father, may you give us eyes to see it, Lord. As we go to your word today, Father, I do pray, Lord, that like the Israelites in the, in the very passage that we're looking at, Lord, would your word move us? Would it do something to us through the power of the Holy Spirit? Would we find joy, the joy that is already ours in you? We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. You guys can have uh, a seat. Uh, do you guys know that there are people that actually enjoy working out? Uh, did you know that there are like people that actually enjoy staying up late? Uh, yeah. Uh, did you guys know that there are people that enjoy waking up early? Uh, did you guys know that there are people uh, that actually enjoy eating healthy? Um, and uh, did you know that there are people that enjoy doing their homework? Uh, and uh, people that enjoy school? Uh, there are some even, uh, science proves, uh, that there are some that enjoy uh, going to work. Uh, and uh, did, you, did you know that there are people that actually enjoy watching marching band as a sport? Uh, this is, these are things that people enjoy. Uh, and so like Mondays, like I've said, like they can be long days and in the long, in long days, like, isn't it good to be able to find like little things to give you a little bit of enjoyment and laughter. And, uh, and so like this past Monday, I had a moment where, uh, I had something happen that just gave me sheer and utter joy. Uh, and so I have a good friendship, uh, with Eric who was uh, playing the drums today. Is there, uh, and, uh, he gave me permission to say all this, uh, reluctantly. Uh, and, uh, and he doesn't text me on a Monday or Tuesday cause he knows I prepare the sermons on Monday and Tuesdays, and he's like, I will never text you uh, because I don't want to be in your sermon. Uh, and so he, uh, he will text me on a Monday or a Tuesday and say like, hey, I have something to tell you, talk Wednesday. Uh, and literally, true story. And, uh, and so he had called me and texted me on Monday, uh, and I responded back in a text message, you'll see it on the screen, and, uh, and said, hey, it's Monday. 
and he forgot it was Monday and, uh, and sent me back this emoji and I just died. Like it was a literal LOL. Like I was literally laughing out loud. Uh, I, I came home from a meeting. I'm sitting at my desk and I was still laughing. Ava's desk is right behind me in our little home uh, office there. And she's like, why are you giggling like I, and I was like because because Eric texted me on a Monday and uh, I was just giggling like and it was like those little things right like long days like those little things can be a big thing that can give you some laughter it's hard to sometimes see God in the little things when life feels big time right it's hard to find laughter in the small things when life feels like it's big time like we've kind of been saying, like Caleb was saying, we don't know how everybody walks in here. We don't know, like we plan these things out like months in advance, and so we don't know who's going to be here. So what I hope to see today, what I hope as my prayer for this time today is that whether you walked in here feeling joy or not, that you'd walk out feeling joy. Whether you've walked in feeling celebratory or not, that you'd walked, that you will be able to walk out celebrating, not necessarily your circumstances, but celebrating the God who is in the midst with you in the midst of those circumstances. So we're going to be in the book of Nehemiah again. And, and where have we been? We, now we're in chapter 7. And in the first six chapters, they rebuilt a wall. They did a big old building project. And it was the hand of God, a miraculous thing. They've, they've gone through trials and whatnot, different naysayers, and, uh, and, and worked together with the people. Something incredible was accomplished in uh, 52 days. God called, so he needs to, uh, and so, um, I digress. So something incredible happened in 52 days. And so now we're going to turn the page to chapter seven. What we're going to see for the rest of the book is, yes, there was a rebuilt wall, but now there needs to be a rebuilt people. And we're going to see a shift to rebuilding the people, and, and then we're going to be able to apply this to, to our lives. And so here uh, in verse, uh, in chapter seven, uh, let me just read the first few verses there and, and just make a a quick point about it. Now, when the wall had been built, what we just said, it's finished. Uh, I had set up the doors and the gatekeepers and the singers and the Levites had been appointed. And I gave my brother Hananiah and another Hananiah, it sounds very, but there's an H, uh, uh, the governor of the, ca uh, of the castle charge over Jerusalem. For, uh, for, I'm reading the wrong chapter. No, I am. No, I'm right. Okay, never mind. Sorry. Uh, God-fearing men and many. Uh, and I said, let the gates of Jerusalem be opened uh, until the sun is hot. And while they were still standing guard, let the, let the sun... Uh, the sun shut the bars, uh, the bar of the doors. Appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, uh, some at their, some their guard posts, and some in the front of their own homes. Uh, the city was wide and large, but the people within it were few, and no houses had been rebuilt. Uh, so then, uh, then my God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles and the officials and the people to be enrolled by genealogy. Uh, and I found the book of the genealogy in whose, uh, in, of those who came up at the first and found it written in it. And then the rest of the chapter goes on to talk about who had originally come uh, from outside of Israel that had been exiled and came back in. They just completed a project. Nehemiah does three practical things uh, in this chapter. Uh, and you can see it on the screen, three steps, three practical steps. He makes a leadership team. Uh, Ezra is going to be appointed and he's going to help a priest. He has a leadership team now to help with the people. Uh, he's a God-fearing man. 
He's somebody that loves Jesus. He has respect. He shows reverence. Uh, he's somebody that has studied the word for over 13 years. He's dedicated his life to that. And so he, now as we're rebuilding the wall, he brings in, uh, rebuilding the people, he brings in Ezra to help with that. So now he has a leadership team. He also uh, helps them focus. Hey, we, yes, like the walls are up, but we're still people that could attack us. There's still things that could happen. And so he puts people in charge of defending their own home where they're going to have a focus and a passion for or different gates and whatnot. And so he helps the people focus. And then thirdly, he starts taking inventory. We want to rebuild the people. We need to know who are the people. And so who are the people that came with us? Who are the people that originally settled in here? Uh, so we're going to look at where it started so we know who are the people so that we know where we are going. Why is, is this important? Because they just finished a project. And do you guys know like after you finish a major project, sometimes you kind of let your focus down? You stop grinding like you used to. Uh, and so like that's what Nehemiah is doing. Like this happened to me in, uh, in high school uh, where uh, I, had, I was on cloud nine. Like uh, going into my junior year, uh, my parents who were uh, divorced for about nine years, uh, they got remarried. And so like the whole family, like it was great. Like a great time for us as a family. My, my soccer team won the first state championship uh, in our school history. Cloud nine, things are going great. I was a youth leader uh, in my, uh, in my uh, youth ministry, in my youth group there in high school. We went on a camping trip uh, and it was awesome. And I felt the call of God on my life to go into ministry. So there I am on cloud nine. And would you know, uh, that's when somebody came to visit uh, the concession stand where I was working, and for a handful of months, I ran away from God because I had my guard was down for after cloud nine. <laughs> if there's any athletes in the room, if you played college sports, you know when your grades are actually going to be uh, the best when you're in season. You know when your your grades are going to be the worst <laughs> when you're out of season. The, the point being, Nehemiah just did something great. They completed a project. And so now the 24-hour grind is done. But what he's communicating here in this chapter is that the 24-hour focus needs to maintain. And so if you walked in here, and whether you're walking in here and, and something traumatic has been happening, maybe you've had a job, you've had a job and had a job, and now your job is over, uh, and you don't like that, it's not a good circumstance. And so you have your 24-hour grind is gone, but the 24-hour need to focus is still there. Maybe you've walked in here and you just completed something epic and big and you're celebrating, but now will you maintain a focus, a 24-hour focus to keep your eyes on Jesus and keep your eyes focused on what you need to still do it, do and not let your walls down as to say. Here's where we go in now chapter, uh, chapter 8, uh, the first few verses here. I'm going to skip around a little bit, uh, looking at the first 12 verses. It says, all the people gathered uh, at one man uh, in the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law and Moses, uh, law of Moses that the Lord uh, had commanded. So Israel, uh, so Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, uh, all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. Skipping down a little bit to verse five, it goes on to say, "And Ezra uh, opened the book uh, in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, and as he opened it." Uh, all the people stood, kind of like what we did earlier. And Ezra blessed the Lord. And the, and the great God uh, and all the people answered, Amen. Amen. Lifting their hands and they bowed their heads and they worshiped the Lord and with their faces to the ground. Skipping down a little bit after a bunch of names to the verse 8. They said, and they read the book of the law of God clearly. And they, and they gave them the sense so that all the people understood the reading. And what we read a little earlier in Nehemiah, 
who was the governor of, uh, and Ezra the priest and the scribe and the Levites who taught the people, uh, to all the people, this day is holy uh, to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. That was the emotions that they were feeling. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. And then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wines and portions to anyone who, is, who has nothing for this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved for the Lord, uh, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood, understood the words that were declared to them. Nehemiah's, uh, Ezra's job is, like I said, he's been studying the word of God for 13 years. So he's a great man to come and to, to teach the people. He's, he's prepared for this. And so there he is teaching, and they asked him to do this. All the people, they, they wanted this to happen. And so Ezra shows up, he does that, he reads the law, he reads the, the word of God, and the people stand up. Now, this is a, a story, a narrative, and so this is a, this is a descriptive thing. It's not prescriptive. We don't need to leave here and kind of have our old school uh, Catholic mentality where we have to do really, really religious things to earn God's pleasure. That's not what's being said here. When you and I stand up to read God's word before the sermon, if we do it or if we don't do it, we're still just as holy. Uh, this is something that they're doing to say, hey, we're going to elevate the word of God to remind ourselves that this is important. We place ourselves under the word of God. And so for us, standing is not something that makes us holy. It's just something that we do simply to remind us the importance importance of God's word. And so the people, they hear the word of God and they start crying. That's their emotions. They start to grieve. They start to mourn. That's their emotions. That's their default. And so they hear this and we don't really know why they're mourning. We don't know why they're grieving. We can assume certain things, but for whatever reason, Nehemiah and Ezra look at the situation and say, do not do what your emotions are telling you to do. Do not do what your emotions in this moment are telling you to do in crying and weeping. I need you and I want you to go against your emotions and go against a place of mourning and grieving into a place of joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. They're reading the book of the law, the book of Moses, and they're being reminded of their relationship with Jesus. They're being reminded that their God is a fighter. They're being reminded that their God is a protector and a restorer. This whole scene is, 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 dealt, is dealing with rejoicing, rejoicing in the relationship with, with God, that the God, relationship with God is their stronghold, and what they have been through, they need to see joy and not go to a place of mourning, which is effort, right? If you came in here and you were crying on the way into church, it takes effort to go to a place of joy, doesn't it? It's a fog in life. Ava and I, uh, you know, sometimes like, like any married couple, we can, we can battle. And um, I really wish if we've landed on the moon decades ago, um, I thought by now they'd be able to solve the issue of fog on a windshield. Um, and, and, but they, they haven't. They just decided to make cars that will drive you so you don't have to worry about it. Uh, and so Ava and I have different ways of handling fog uh, in a car when the, when the mirror, when the windows get foggy. Um, and if my way of doing it doesn't happen right away, uh, Ava likes to do it her way. And, and then we just smile at each other and we're like, okay. Uh, but anyways, you guys know, you've been there. You've been, in a, we live on the shore and like it gets foggy and, and from time to time. And, uh, and maybe it's a scene much like this. And, and you, can, you can turn on your, uh, your news articles or whatnot or watch the weather. And, and you'll see, you can see a news report that would say how much visibility there is this morning. If you can see the fog, you can turn and say, hey, there's this much visibility. There might be zero visibility. 
Uh, and so what, when I was uh, looking at this today, Ava and I handle uh, fog in the car differently. Uh, Ava gets locked in on the fog, locked in on what she can't see and starts to freak out and doesn't really think about what is going on uh, in the car. I don't get really locked in on the fog. Like those things don't really uh, make me nervous or scare me. But in, but in a much different way, I also start like kind of daydreaming and thinking about other things. Uh, and I lose sight of what's in the car. When there's a fog, when we're, when we're in the midst of a storm like that, it's so easy and natural for you and for I to stare at the fog and to say there is no visibility, right? But when I look at this picture, <laughs> there's plenty of visibility. Just depends where you look. Because inside the car, I mean, I can make out it's 35 degrees, negative 35 degrees Celsius, that he's driving uh, 70, degree, or 70 miles an hour. You can make out certain things if you look within the car. In the car, there's complete visibility. So what I want to encourage you to do is if you've walked in here and you feel like you're in a storm of life, if you feel like there are things of chaos in life, you kind of feel a little bit foggy, take your eyes off the fog and imagine that you're driving a Tesla pre-recall um, and that you don't have to be in the driver's seat, that you are in the passenger seat and you can look in the car and there's clear visibility within the car. Somebody else can worry about the fog. When you and I lock our eyes on the fog, we go to a place of despair. Despair is literally the opposite of joy. Despair means uh, this, a complete loss, of, uh, loss or absence of hope. Loss or to be without hope. So many of us walk in here in a place of despair. We're battle-worn Christians. We're, we're, we're feeling beat up by life, and there's an earthly sense of despair. My encouragement to you and I today is to imagine that we're driving in a car in the midst of fog and that Jesus is the one driving the car, and that we can, in the car, have complete visibility to see Jesus and let him worry about everything else, and that we can smile in the midst of it. And you know what happens? The joy of the Lord is our strength. Like, it's such a boss move, right, where the enemy is trying to steal your joy, where the enemy is trying to throw everything he can at you, because there's a very real enemy uh, that's throwing everything he can at you to steal your joy. And it's a boss move when you're going through a fight, when you're exasperated, and you can look to heaven with a smile and say, you can take it all, but I know this ends with Jesus. I'm good. <laughs> and you can smile in the face of adversity. Have you ever seen that with an athlete that's battling and maybe has like blood coming down his nose or whatnot, and he's somehow able to smile? You're like, you might be a serial killer. Maybe. I don't know. But for you and I, when we can smile in the face of adversity, that is a slap in the devil's face. And let me do that all day long. Here's how this, uh, this chapter uh, ends. Uh, oh, no, wait. Ways for, uh, I'm sorry. Thing. Uh, ways that I come back to joy. This is a battle for me. So this is not like uh, an absolute thing. Uh, this is something that I was thinking of this week because I really struggle with joy. Um, I can wake up happy one moment and joyous one morning um, and by the afternoon be like, ah, forget that. Um, and so like I'm human just like you. And so these are some of the things that I do to get back to a place of joy. Um, sometimes I'll do a week where I'm only praying prayers of gratitude. Um, some days I'll do a day where I'm only listening to worship music. Um, I have certain objects uh, in, my, uh, in my office that kind of remind me of things that God has done in my life to, to reflect upon and remind me of the God who is. Um, I have certain hobbies like hiking and whatnot that connect me with God or walking with my dog. 
Uh, sometimes when I'm driving, I just choose silence in the car um, instead of putting any other noise on. Um, it's really old-fashioned now, uh, but sometimes I turn off my phone um, because I realize that my phone is a joy killer. Um, maybe try that. Uh, and then time with friends that uh, are life-giving and not uh, life-sucking. Uh, but, uh, okay, oh, that's me. All right, so moving on. Uh, here it is, Nehemiah uh, chapter 8, now in verse 13. It says, on the second day, uh, the heads of, heads of fathers' houses and all the people were uh, with the priests and the Levites came together to Ezra the scribe in order to study the words of the law. You want to lead your family, you want to be a leader in any aspect of society, a God-fearing person, make teaching others the word of God a priority. And they found written in the law the law, uh, that the Lord had commanded by Moses, and the people of Israel should dwell in booths during the, the feast in the seventh month, and that they should proclaim and, and publish it uh, in all of their towns in uh, Jerusalem, and go to the hills and bring branches of olive and wild olive and, and myrtle and palm and other leafy, uh, leafy trees to make booths, as it is written. And so the people went out and brought, them, uh, brought to them the booths, and they themselves, each on his own roof, and their courts, and in their courts of the house, and God, and the square of the water gate, and the square of the gate of Ephraim, uh, and all of the assembly, and those who had returned from ca captivity made booths. All of them lived in booths for the days of uh, Jeshua, the son of Nun, Joshua, uh, so that the day of the people of Israel had not uh, done so. And so there was great rejoicing. And day by day, from the first day to the last day, he read the book of the law of God, and he kept the feast for seven days. And on the eighth day, there was a solemn assembly according to the rule. So Nehemiah uh, reads uh, this. Ezra reads this. You have the people asking him to do this. Ezra uh, lays it all out, and they're, they're convicted by something. They're, hey, this is the seventh month. This is a month in the Jewish calendar of many different celebrations. You have the, the Day of Atonement. You have the Day, uh, the day of, uh, um, of Trumpets and the, and the Day of Booths uh, and whatnot, the Festival of Booths that we're talking about. Uh, and they see all this, and they know that this is a time of celebration. This is a time of remembering and reflecting. And so they're convicted by this. And so they go to a place where they're literally going to make booths. This is part of their festival, the Jewish custom, is that this is what they were supposed to be doing already, but they haven't done for some time. And so they get all the resources to create booths and to reenact what was happening in the wilderness when God was providing for them on their way into the promised land. And so it was a time to remember and to reflect. And so all the people came together. They learned from people. It was a communal, communal time of, of the word of God. They're convicted by it, and now they're actually doing something about it. They're obeying it. It's not just hearing something. Now they're doing something about it, and they're remembering, and they're rejoicing. Remember Joshua? Oh, yeah, that was good. God will do it again. Hey, you remember Moses, what he did, what God did through Moses? Yeah, God will do that again. You know what, what God just did as we built this wall? Yeah, it wasn't a surprise. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, God does that. No, yeah, God does that. This time of remembering to reflect that reminds us that, man, everything that we see right here in front of us in this very moment is maybe not the complete picture of our God in humanity. We, uh, I, I'm going hiking. Like I said, I like to connect God, uh, connect with God through hiking. And uh, so I, I've been trying to like get my brother uh, to kind of kick some things in gear, if you will. I was like, hey, why don't you go on a 50-mile hike with me? Uh, he was like, no. Um, 
And so, uh, but I wore him down, and eventually uh, he said yes. Uh, and so this coming summer on vacation, my brother and I and some friends are going on a 50-mile hike in Glacier National Park, uh, backpacking and whatnot. It's going to be very, very painful and very, very awesome. And, uh, and he's all excited, and we're all excited, and uh, we're going to see a lot of bears and whatnot. So if I don't come back, it was a good run. Um, and so uh, I digress. No kidding. Jonathan, seriously, we'll be fine. Um, and so uh, anyways, we're, I'm going hiking, and I was kind of debating two different dates. And, uh, and I, was, I think it was at church, but if I'm not, it was someplace else. And I was kind of like, it's this date or this date. And I had said, like, one possibility is, like, July like 27th through, like, August 3rd. And uh, Ava was kind of to the side of the conversation. She's like, are you hiking on our anniversary? And, and I was like, no, uh, absolutely not. Uh, that's why we're not doing that date. Uh, and then that's why we're doing this date. And I literally took a text to the group chat. I was like, hey, this is the date. The other one's not an option. It's my anniversary. I can't do it. Uh, now, before all the women in the room throw stones at me, uh, my wife and I have a habit of every five years going on a uh, anniversary cruise. And so this year we celebrate 15 years, praise God for that. Uh, and so we're going on an anniversary cruise. When we say this to people, they ask, do you bring your kids with you? Never, 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 never on an anniversary cruise do we bring our kids. Huh. Uh, so like in between the five years, sometimes we'll take them on a cruise, but I digress. Anyway, so I wasn't even thinking, I was like, hey, I'm going on a cruise, I didn't, whatever, okay. So my point being, sometimes there are whoopsies when we forget some anniversary dates and some birthdays and things of that nature. But isn't there something about birthdays and anniversaries that remind us? Isn't there something about like kind of pausing and reflecting that reminds us of like what is before us? It's like pulling out your old-fashioned wallet and finding like a, a movie stub from the first date that you have, right? It can kind of reignite some passion. It's like my, my family and I, like I'll wake up and I'll see all the photos from like a few years ago and whatnot. Like the iPhone does that, they give you certain photos. And I'll text the whole family like five photos a day of like, photos from like the last like however many years and I don't think they even look at them but like I love them uh why because it reminds me of like as annoying as sometimes kids can be in the present that there's a whole history that brings us to this present place relational things pausing and, and reflecting can remind us of what is before us right so what are your God moments what are those anniversaries when did you say yes to Jesus do you know that date pause and celebrate that every year when we're talking about Eric Shero, he came to know Jesus many years ago, but he came back to Jesus uh, around the Halloween parade that we do. Every year, the Halloween parade should be a, year of, a time of celebration for him as he remembers what God did in that moment. What are your times of, of celebration that you can pause and reflect on what God has done to remind you what he might be doing in the present? To enjoy him in those moments. What have we? What? Uh, what is a big thought for today? It's simply this. It's an old. It's an old uh, saying. Uh, a bunch of dudes that studied the Bible and a catechism. You could say it says the chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying Him forever. That's well, that's the whole point of this Christian walk. Well, this is how it ends for you and I as we go through the highs, as we go through the lows. Like you and I are called to enjoy our God through it all. Isn't that thing about a really, like my my relationship with people? You know, like my wife is not all about happiness. My relationship with my wife is learning to enjoy the relationship through the highs and most especially the lows of life. You and I are called to enjoy God, the God of, this, of our salvation, the God, the joy of our salvation. You and I are called to enjoy our God through times of highs and lows. This, uh, this past, uh, I think it was about a week and a half ago, I woke up and I wasn't feeling joy. 
Uh, I, I don't, I, because I'm a pastor, it doesn't mean like I barf and fart uh, uh, rainbows and joy all day long. Uh, I woke up feeling away and I uh, had my time with God and I said, you know what, God, today any music that I listen to is just going to be worship music. Uh, and so Brady woke up and he was like, hey, let's work out today. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, and so like we listened to worship music on the way to the gym when we were on the stair climber. I was listening to worship music, which is not typically my habit. I like to listen to a little hip hop and I uh, wasn't doing that. Just worship music, worship music, worship on the way back. Uh, but uh, then we, I was like, Brady, if I go to the gym with you, you have to come to prayer with me. He said, okay. So here we are rushing around, rushing around, rushing around. Like, and you guys have been there like rushing, 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 right? And uh, so we come home, we scuff down some dinner, uh, and then we, we are rushing to the church because I got to lead prayer and uh, listening to worship music. And uh, this Johan, uh, on, on the way on Route 9, we get to that Wawa and there's a light right there. And uh, this person goes to take a left, I thought, uh, slows down, doesn't. I go to go around and it was a joke. They kept speeding up. And uh, I was like, huh, okay, thinking things. And uh, then like 100 feet later, this person goes to, to take a right, but then doesn't and keeps on going. And, uh, and then like 200 yards after that, the person finally makes a right. And uh, I had like had it at that point and just yelled out, use a blinker. Uh, and like truly yelled it in the car with Brady. And as soon as I stopped saying the word blinker, great is thy faithfulness. It was like the chorus of Great Is Thy Faithfulness was just blaring in the car. And I just kind of sat there and I was like, all right, God, I get it. I'm like exasperated right now. I'm not really feeling you right now, but it's kind of me. It's kind of my perspective. It's kind of on me. And I kind of like threw that, like yelling at some uh, guy that I've never met and then, and then uh, hearing Great Is Thy Faithfulness. So I was like, dude, you just need to pause and chill out. You just need to pause and chill out. And so that's what I want to encourage you to do right now in this moment is to pause, just to chill, just to read and, and to breathe. And so what I want to do is I, I'll give you guys a challenge here in a second, but I just got some verses on breathing and then uh, a few verses that mean a lot to me. And I just want to read them to you because I want us to pause, chill, and breathe. And so I'm going to read these to you. And can I encourage you just to close your eyes? Because I don't know how exasperated you walked in here or if maybe you are already singing Kumbaya in your soul. Great. <laughs> then this will just be an affirmation of that. But maybe you walked in here exasperated. And I'm just going to invite you to just close your eyes. Pause. Chill. And breathe. In his hand of life, uh, in, in his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind, in Job. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. Psalm 33. Behold, you have made my days a few hand breaths, and my lifetime is nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Psalm 39. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up, but together uh, they are together lighter than a breath. Psalm 62. Man is like a breath and his days are like a passing shadow. Psalm 144. One you've probably heard. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Psalm 
150. Every man is stupid. <laughs> yep, that's in the Bible. Uh, every man is stupid and without knowledge. Every goldsmith is put to shame by idols and his images are false. There is no breath in them. Jeremiah 10. But we have this treasure as jars of clay to show the surpassing power that belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying on in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Pause, chill, breathe. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal way of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. The Lord, of, uh, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Chill, pause, breathe. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me, in my house, uh, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself and that where, that where I am, you may also breathe. Chill. Pause. Breathe. One more. Know in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor present things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, uh, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Before I can get us to a place of reflecting upon the joy of the Lord, sometimes we need to pause and just see what is already ours and what's in the car. To pause, to chill, to reflect. They say to pause for a cause. Your grandma that was a part of that movement back in the 70s and smoking pot and whatnot, uh, she said pause for a cause. You know, you've heard that before. Uh, well, you and I, we can still pause for a cause. And what are we pausing to do? We're pausing because the chief end of man uh, is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. I think sometimes we're not enjoying God because we're not pausing for God. And so I, what I want to challenge you guys with today I almost didn't do it because I was like, it feels like too much. Uh, but really, it shouldn't be. I want to challenge you guys to uh, read uh, every verse that contains the word joy in the Bible. Uh, and then send me five observations. So I'll know if you take this challenge. Uh, but I want to encourage you, if you go on to blueletterbible.com, there'll be a little video on the screen that you can see that like, shows you it. Blueletterbible.com, it's, it's an online concordance. You can type in a word. I want to encourage you to go to blueletterbible.org uh, to go to the translation ESV, uh, English Standard Version, and then type in the word joy. You'll find 171 verses and 179 occurrences. And so I'm just going to ask you to take a few minutes a day, read through every single verse that has the word joy. And then when you've done that, to email me uh, your observations. You'll see on the screen uh, the Blue Letter Bible uh, QR code. So you can whip out your phones. You'll see on the screen, Jason at wellspring.one, my email. You'll see my work cell phone so you can text me your observations. Just take a moment to pause, chill, and reflect. And then send me your observations. What did you see about joy through the pages of Scripture? Because the people that we looked at today, they were rocked 
by what they read in Scripture. And it changed everything for them. And there was this reminder to go to joy. So I want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage you to reach out to me. And I want to encourage you to spend time in God's Word because it's a gift. And it can bring us great joy as it reveals to us the God that is our God.